the optimal life. Yes, we can. I, I bet you we can. Uh, actually, this is with three lawyers. Oh, dear. That's right. You might not know. Oh, dear. But I was telling Tom before. He's a mediator. Okay, good thing. Yeah, I, was, I was telling Tom before the podcast, I haven't practiced a day in my life. Okay. But, uh, so Lucky you. There's something we all have in common yeah. that we're all in, we're in this little fraternity. The only thing mm-hmm. I don't have in common, I'm, I'm inactive. You guys are both active. Yeah. Well, I'm inactive in Colorado, so we have that in common. Uh, there you yeah. go. Okay. All right. That counts. I'm Funny inactive story. in all 50 states. I'm inactive. <laughs> You're inactive in one, so that's, that's at least we have that in common. Um, like I was saying beforehand, thank you guys for coming on. This is really cool that we were able to link up through Facebook, through right. the social media. There are still positive things that come from social media. Yes. There's a lot of negatives. Not but a lot, but a few. Yeah, right. And this is one of those few. This yeah. is one of those few. We get to bring two educated people um, in the community together to discuss the obvious most important thing that we're facing as a nation right now is this 2020 uh, election. It's historic and I'm sure every time that we get into a, an election year it's always the most historic, it's always the most crucial and everyone's... but this year feels a little bit more intense probably for all of us in our lifetimes we're different ages but you know um, with the coronavirus this feels a little bit different. So let's start with, let's start with coronavirus. First off before we get there I, I would like you guys to just we're going to start with Corona, but if you would, Ashley, and then Tom, just give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, what your focus is in, in the law, legal world. Sure. Um, thanks for having me. This is pretty fun. Um, I'm glad we're able to sit down and, and talk like reasonable people about these issues, which is part of what interests me um, generally. Um, but I'm, uh, I manage the Cleveland office of Piper Wolf, which is a national class action firm. We do a lot of... Uh, different types of plaintiffs work. My focus is on civil rights and employment litigation matters, typically. Um, I've been uh, an Ohioan my whole life. I've got three little kids. We live not too far from here in Solon, and uh, I'm glad to be here to talk with Tom, which yes. is also my son's name. All right. And, and my dad's name. name. All right. right, yeah. <laughs> Impossible to forget. All right. Thank you for that. Tom? Uh, well, I want to thank you for having us too, Nate, and Ashley, pleasure to meet you. Uh, and I want to echo what Ashley just said, that uh, uh, it's good to be able to sit down with some people who will um, be able to talk like normal people mm-hmm. and actually still get along, even though there's disagreements on some fundamental uh, lines, which is one of the things that we've lost in this society, which I'm sure you'll, you'll touch on. But yeah. I was born and raised in Ohio. Went to, uh, I went to uh, parochial school in Euclid at uh, St. Felicitas and went to St. Joe's for high school. Uh, I went to uh, the University of Dayton uh, promptly, or maybe not so promptly, drank my way out of the University of Dayton. <laughs> uh, and I finished up at John Carroll University. And then I went to the University of Akron and I got, I got my uh, master's degree in public administration and then went on to... Uh, uh, John uh, Cle- Cleveland Marshall to get my law degree, and uh, I own my own law firm, Connick Law. I've uh, been practicing for 25 years. I worked for some large firms before, and went out on my own around uh, 2014. And uh, I do class actions as well. I do a lot of insurance law, business litigation, uh, about six different areas. Uh, right, That's civil right. civil litigation. Fantastic. So we have uh, we have two seasoned veterans with us for this conversation and uh, appreciate the introduction. So let's start, like I said, with the coronavirus because, again, here we are. We've got Tom, who's a Trump supporter, mask-free, and we have <laughs> Ashley, who's a Biden supporter, full full mask on. Yeah. So let's start with that, and, and I want to start with you, Tom. Yeah. Give us your take on 
mask wearing, the mask mandates in the state of Ohio across this country and your outlook for really the effect that it has on us? Well, first I want to say, and I think I, 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 not that I speak on behalf of anybody, but I think my thinking is typical of a lot of people who, who support Trump is the, the coronavirus, COVID-19 is a real virus. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you don't want to get it. You can die from it. You can get very sick from it. Uh, but I, speaking for me personally, which has some similar views as other people, is here in Ohio, is across the nation, the likelihood of you getting COVID-19 is extremely low. Uh, if you do get it, uh, the likelihood of you uh, recovering is extremely high. I mean, I think it's, in both cases, is above 99%. And the way I look at it is, I think this whole mask mandate, and I've had some cases on this, uh, uh, and one's still going in Lake County. It to me, it is it serves as a basis, which is offensive to me as 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 not only a conservative but really kind of a libertarian too. It serves as a basis for the government to grab more control over what I do than they should have and what I believe they have. I think it serves as a, as a pretext for the government making me do things that I don't want to do. For example, you have the mask mandate now. You have vaccines that are probably going to be coming out. Are they going to mandate the vaccines? I don't take the flu vaccine. I don't take any vaccines. I don't intend on taking a vaccine if they come out with the, the, the COVID-19 vaccine. And I don't think that the government should be mandating these things because I think it runs into other areas where the government is going to end up taking control of your life. Now, is that a conspiracy theorist? No, it, that's just my that's my governmental philosophy, that we are a, a country or should be a country of limited government. And this COVID-19 is no worse, in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I do look at the numbers. It's no worse than the flu. And, and by the way, I, you know, I have family, very close family members who have, who have immunodeficiency issues. Uh, so it's not like I don't care about anything or anybody, which I think is another uh, perception that a lot of people on the left have of you know Trump supporters who who talk this way. Well, you just want people to die. You don't care about people. No, that's that's not the case. I'm very compassionate. Very care very much about people, but I don't think that wearing a mask is going to make a difference. And I don't think I should be mandated to do it or 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 be mandated to do anything else related to this until and or unless it gets to a point that you really need to do that. And I don't think that's going to happen in this case. Ashley? Well, I'm wearing a mask today, as I do every time I'm in, in connection with people who I'm, are not in my household, who are in sort of our little bubble that we've kind of created for our family. Um, I don't need to be told to wear a mask. I'm going to wear a mask because if it protects one person from becoming sick and from suffering, whether or not they die, um, or whether or not they have long-term consequences. I don't want to be responsible for anybody getting sick. And to the extent that a small piece of, piece of cloth can protect them or protect me or anyone in my family or circle, I'm more than happy to do it. If the government can force you to put on a military uniform and go shoot people in a foreign country, I don't really feel like a small piece of face covering is, is, a, is a, any kind of threat to my liberty. Um, and, and I think... Part of what frustrates me is the notion that we can't all, as a society, get together and say, look, this might help. Let's do this just in case it helps. You know, there's some, even if there's data both ways, if this could help save somebody from dying, from getting sick, why isn't that worth it? Why isn't that enough? This doesn't hurt. This doesn't cause me physical pain. You can still hear me. 
um, especially because my mother made this mask, which is designed to allow for some, you know, it doesn't cut across especially your lips. Especially for lawyers, so. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I do all my work on Zoom, so I don't really need the mask for that. But um, it, it, to me, it doesn't seem like a threat to my liberty to suggest that maybe we should all work together. I mean, this country is an experiment in self-government. You know, the beginning of our Constitution, we the people, we're all in this together. We need to act like it. And politicizing whether or not we're going to do everything we can to take care of people and protect people is something that really bothers me. Are you willing to wear this mask for the rest of time? Because you mentioned that if you could protect yourself or somebody else from spreading germs, uh, once COVID goes away, you still have all these other diseases. So is this something that you're willing to do for eternity? Or indefinitely, I should say. Well, I suppose uh, now that uh, I've looked more at mask wearing and, and what it might assist with and, and how other countries kind of handle just sort of basic common colds and things like that, if I was symptomatic, yeah, and I think that that's something I would definitely consider, especially now that, as I said, I have all these masks that my mother made for me that are <laughs> that are stylish and go with everything that I own. Um, I, I think that, to my, to my earlier point, the idea of protecting somebody, you know, even if even if we're we're past this COVID, which please let us get past it <laughs> sooner rather than later. For sure. Um, yeah, I, I think if I'm symptomatic in the future with any kind of uh, thing, I'll be out in public in a mask. Interesting. You know, please. Well, I think Ashley raises a, a good point uh, on something, and, and I, I think she made it made this point within making one of her own points is we don't know about this COVID nineteen. We don't know what we don't know. Everyone says we got to listen to the scientists. Listen, well, if you listen to one scientist over on the left, there's going to be another scientist over on the right, and there's going to be another scientist in the middle, and they're all going to have differing opinions. And that's where I tend to start getting a problem. I mean, if we had a consensus of science that said wearing masks or quarantining or whatever is definitely going to lose or definitely going to save lives, and 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 here's the numbers, here's the science behind it. I don't think there's anybody, any reasonable person who wouldn't go along with that. But when we're being told so many different things, and really we don't know what we don't know, but you still have to do this. You still have to wear this mask. You have to do this because the government says you have to do it. That's where I draw my line, and that's where I have a real problem. And nobody is coming up with the answers. I mean, you, you, you Ashley uses the example of the military. Well, a lot, these, these men and women in the military who... Uh, and I know Ashley does too, respect more than anything, these people volunteer to put their lives on the line. Uh, they know what they're getting into. Uh, they know what the odds are when they're putting on that uniform and putting that flag on their left shoulder. Uh, but here we don't know what we don't know. Uh, but we're being told we have to do these things anyways. And even though we don't know what we don't know and we're being told to do these things, the numbers are not supporting the actions. I just think, I understand, as I said before, COVID is a real disease. You can get it. You can die from it. But uh, the numbers are not supporting the reaction uh, to it. I don't know if I'd agree with that. And I was referring to the draft. I wasn't referring to no, volunteer, uh, you know, people signing up to do that. I'm talking about if the government can invoke, you know, can pass a law that we're going to institute a draft and force you to serve. Sure and put your body on the line, then something like a mask is a really small thing compared to that when it doesn't hurt us at all. I mean, maybe if there were something, 
know, if, if they were trying to force us to all get experimental vaccines or participate in some something where they were introducing some chemical into our body, I would feel differently. I think I definitely would feel differently. And I'd probably lead the charge on, on litigating those kinds of civil rights claims. But something like something that isn't going to harm you, a mask doesn't harm you. So, um, you know, very limited um, infringement upon any kind of right as far as I as far as I see it. And, and, and the way I look at that, and I, and I get that, and I, I appreciate that. The way I look at that, though, is this isn't, you know, mask wearing and vaccine taking or whatever else is going on with COVID-19 is not legislated. They're done by executive order right now by the state. Uh, Governor DeWine is, is mandating these. The Ohio Department of Health is mandating these. I don't get a say in it. You don't get a say in it. You don't get a say in it. Nobody gets a say in it. Uh, but we have to do it. And... Uh, they're, they're, I'm a big believer in a legislative process. Now you're going to say, well, this is an emergency. You need to do it. That's where I go back to my original uh, premise on this, that I don't see it as an emergency. I see it as a real disease. Um, but when you look at the numbers, I mean, you can go on the Ohio Department of Health. I, I, I didn't do it today. I do it weekly. But you can go on the Ohio Department of Health website, and you're going to see the numbers in the state of Ohio. I, I, I would presume that the number is similar today as it was last week where you have a 0.00003% chance of, of contracting COVID and you even have a better chance of surviving it. So I'd push back on that a little bit, the notion that we don't have a say. We, we got to elect all the people who are in the state house. We got to elect the governor who certainly has solid conservative bona fides. Um, and the legislature delegated powers to the Ohio Department of Health. This is the way we've decided to run our government. And so when it works as it's been designed by the people's representatives, we can't complain that we don't like it when, you know, I suppose a lot more people are paying attention now, which is certainly, mm -hmm. I welcome people paying attention mm -hmm. to the process. Uh, but we haven't, you know, this isn't something that's been imposed upon us by an autocrat. These are duly elected people's representatives. I would, I would, uh, I would just push back on that a little bit and say, I yes, there's a legislative process where these duly elected officials were elected and they're put in office, but you also have to work within the confines and the constructs of our constitution, state and federal, when you are in that, or else there's an abuse of power. I do feel, and I've litigated this, and I'm litigating it. I do think that Dewine has abused his power in the mandated mask and some other issues, uh, and I know uh, uh, Biden has indicated that if he's elected. There's going to be a national mandation, nationally mandated vaccine that you have to take and mass. That, that's you know, I'm not voting for a president to make mandates upon me to that that limit my 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 uh, liberties. And and to your point, you indicated that, well, you know, wearing a mask for a couple you know minutes whenever you're interaction with somebody, it's not that big of a uh, uh, infringement on on one's liberty. The way I look at it is, you know, where does it stop? It only it, it starts with a little infringement, and then it gets bigger, and then it gets bigger, and then it get it gets bigger, and then it's too big to stop. Wait till you hear what they're trying to do to women who get pregnant and don't want to. Well, uh, are you talk about abortion. Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, if the state I, can't tell you to put a, a painless covering on your face, you know, the well, the infringement on liberty goes in a lot of different directions. Well, but. yeah, well, I would disagree on that, I and mean, we we can jump to abortion. <laughs> I mean, that, that, it's way low on that, that, that yeah, list that Nate put on. You know, I, you know, it's funny that you said that actually because I saw that way low, and I'm like, you know, I don't think How it's that. that? I, yeah, I don't think it's that low. It's but certainly not for I'm me. Gonna, I'm going to give you some full disclosure here, though. Okay, I'm okay? ready because I have a, I have a personal connection to this. Um, in 1968. Uh, there is this wonderful woman. Her name was Marcella Connick, and she had three kids. 
and then she had three miscarriages and then she got pregnant again and the doctor uh, told uh, this beautiful woman that you need to abort this child because if you attempt to have him after your three bad miscarriages uh, you're going to die and at the time uh, which was normal she was a smoker and everything else and uh, uh, she told the doctor well then I guess I'm gonna die because I'm gonna go forward with this and uh, she ended up having that baby and if she didn't we wouldn't be talking uh, right now and uh, well I'm glad she had the uh, choice uh, to do what uh, she wanted with her body well that's true but the choice is not gone by the laws here you know we could talk about Roe v Wade and we can get into Amy Coney Barrett and everything uh, I, I think from how a legal perspective... How many hours yeah, have we right. budgeted for this? So 14. <laughs> right. I, I think from a legal perspective, just from a legal perspective, mm -hmm. and you're a lawyer, obviously, I think it was a wrongly, poorly reasoned and decided case. But what I think, if, if Roe v. Wade goes by the wayside, what I think is going to happen is it's just going to go back to the states where it belongs. Uh, and I have no problem with that. And if you're in Ohio, if you're in Texas, if whatever state, then we get back to elect the people that are going to do the will of the people. Okay, so if you're in California and Roe v. Wade gets reversed, uh, my guess is there's going to be a law in California that says you can have abortions up to whatever. But uh, I am I am of the opinion not only because of my personal experience, uh, and this gets to the choice of a woman, and I know you're going to wholly disagree with me on this. Uh, I have three wonderful kids. I have a wonderful wife. Uh, when my wife got pregnant with our sons, um, to me that is a sacred thing. Uh, you, it, it becomes bigger than you at that point in time. I think when a woman gets pregnant, uh, I think uh, the 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 uh, hierarchy is to the child first, and then to the woman. And now we we do have we and I have I struggle with some things too about you know violent crimes and, and things of that nature. Big fan of adoption instead of abortion. Uh, but you ever given birth to a child, Tom? I have not. I have not. You ever felt the life force rip through you I into existence? I've not. It's but an I, intense process. But I would, I would think it's a miracle, though, and I would think that it's a wonderful process. But no, I have not experienced that pain, and I, I'm not pretending that I have. But uh, I do believe that child has rights from the moment of conception. Uh, I think it's a God-given right, and I think they should have the opportunity. And you know, if if the if the woman didn't want it, if it was unplanned or if it was an accident then there's other options. And I, I definitely disagree with you on, on, a, <laughs> number you of, on a number of pieces <laughs> of that, and I'm making a mental list in my head. I don't know if we'll have time to get through all of them, but you know, I, one thing I do agree with you on is that I remember reading Roe in law school and going, well, that was very unsatisfying. Like, and, and I think that it wasn't a super well-reasoned decision. Like, talk to me agree. about your penumbras. Like, <laughs> and and maybe the fact that it was nine men, none of whom had ever felt the, a life force rip through them into the universe, um, making that decision, uh, maybe that had it, something to do with it. But perhaps it really is an equal why, why protection is why issue. Is, why is the feeling of you, you said that's the second time you said? Why is the feeling of that offensive? I mean, yeah, p uh, pregnancy is painful, I, and I don't, I don't presume to say how painful it is because I don't know. But it is a natural process. I don't know why that would play into. <laughs> so are a role. kidney stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I just don't know why that would play into the to the to the well, lexicon. If, because only some of us have the ability to to do this particular feat, mm -hmm. um, and you know that's why I would situate abortion rights under the Equal Protection Clause as opposed to emanating from some penumbra that I can find in the not quartering troops in one's home. Um, I think that it's. <laughs> important to recognize that there is nothing that takes women out of 
the social, professional, civic life like having a baby. You know, both carrying a baby, you know, carrying a baby if, if there's any kind of complication and then caring for a child while recovering from that experience. That is not something that, you know, having been through it three times myself. Congratulations. Thanks for that. We should also congratulate my yeah. mid, my mid-husband who delivered You're, two uh, of them in the All home. Right. Yeah. You guys have something else in common. That's right. Three kids. <laughs> I have three, three boys. Kids. What do you have? I have a boy, girl, boy. Okay. They're seven, five, and two. We still have a zone defense. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> but right. I would, Same thing. Yeah. But I, I would never think that it would be up to someone else to decide how I was going to build my family or when I was ready to do that. I certainly would have never wanted to, to bring kids into the world when I wasn't in a position to fully care for them. You know, looking around at the way people are wearing their masks now, I have a greater understanding for how contraception fails. Um, <laughs> and so the idea that somehow having sex means that you're committing to raising a human, like that's a big ask, especially when most of that is visited upon women especially in situations where it's not a planned type of pregnancy. And so I view abortion rights as entirely based on a woman's ability to participate in society on equal terms with men, particularly since I think more than 40% of women who have abortions already have children that they're trying to care for. And who's in a better position to decide how to care for the children they already have than the woman who's, who's making that difficult decision? And, and that's where, and this is fine, that's where our fundamental differences come into okay because you're looking at it and I understand this and and don't get mad at me for saying this but I understand you're looking at it from the woman's perspective who is an adult woman usually right uh, and has all these environmental things going on in their lives and whether or not they're prepared to do it or whatever I'm looking at it from quite frankly the child's position who is a completely defenseless human individual uh, alive in the mother's womb from the time of conception, and who's going to protect the rights of the child? Okay, and and I have I have a problem with that because um, I have a very uh, I have a very deep faith in that regard that 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 a child who is unprotected and not only is unprotected but cannot protect themselves uh, should be allowed uh, to experience that burst into the universe. <laughs> Uh, even though the, 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 the mother, who may not have intended it or maybe doesn't want one at this point in time, uh, they're the adult usually, though. They're the, they're the adult in the room. Uh, and it's not – see, and the other thing is I don't look at this as an infringement on a woman's right. And and, that's, and by the way, this is the fundamental difference that – It is. I'm not going to convince you. You're not going to convince me. And I'm yeah. not going to convince others like you. And you're not going to convince others like me. It It, it is a fundamental difference that – wherever it comes from, whether it's how you were raised or I was raised or whatever. I respect your opinion, though. I, I truly do. Can, can, I ask, can I ask a quick question of Tom here, please? Sure. So is it, what, what, about, what about those, those exceptional situations, right. you know, where a woman is, God forbid, raped yep. or put into these really horrific situations? Yep. What my, is your take on this? My, my, my take on that is, number one, it is horrific. Um, I, honestly, if I, if, if I sit back as a human being, and God forbid, my wife was raped and 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 got pregnant from the from the guy who raped her. What would I do? I, I you know I, I don't know what I would do. I think I know what I would do. Which but, is but, well, but besides besides kill the guy. What well, would you well, <laughs> yeah. we are not uh, condoning violence. Yeah. My my <laughs> my position on that, and 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 it's an unpopular position, but it's my position nonetheless. Is we you opt for adoption? Wow. You don't you don't take the life 
of a defenseless because he didn't do it. He or she did not do anything wrong. The child. Um, that's just my fundamental belief. I think every life has a purpose. I think when you know when when my mom told that doctor that she was not going to ab abort me, I think that was divine intervention. I haven't quite figured out what my purpose in life is, uh, but <laughs> I think I've, I, I've tried to help more people than, I, than I've hurt, and I try to do that, uh, which I would not have been able to do but for that decision. Um, and it's just, again, it's a fundamental uh, fault. Well, uh, not a fault. It's a, when I say fault, I mean dividing point. With the you. With, with you. It's, it's a fundamental uh, It's a fundamental. Uh, 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 position that uh, myself and many like me uh, have taken and uh, and but I understand your position and, and 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 I think that's where we get into Nate where we're at today in the world okay uh, I could have this conversation with somebody that I don't know on let's say Facebook let's or, try or, that. Or, or Twitter <laughs> or something well I, I will immediately it doesn't go I, this no, way. no no I will well that's what I'm saying right right, right. I would right. I'll, I'll immediately be called whatever you know mm -hmm. um, yes. Uh, I will tell that person I respect your opinion as I respect Ashley's, but it's just because I know I'm never going to change your mind. And, no, and you know that's what? A good guess. And I don't. It's not yeah. a guess. And I don't want to change and, your and mind because you have you have your values, mm -hmm. and you should stick by your values. Uh, but this is why we have elected officials too, and it's and it's going to come down to it some some way, shape, or form. Let me ask you, but Ashley, on the, on the flip side of that, uh, uh, is there a moment where you in your mind where there's a deadline? Like X number of weeks, this is a child. I mean, do you believe that abortion could happen all the way up to third trimester? What's your take? Well, I think that especially something that's really bothered me over these past few, especially in the vice presidential debate when uh, Vice President Pence said that, you know, liberals are fine with abortion up to the moment of labor or birth. I forget what it, up to the moment of delivery. I forget exactly how he phrased it. And I really didn't understand what he was talking about. And then... You know, a lot of my friends who've been in situations where they've had, you know, wanted pregnancies, that they got some terrible medical news, you know, past the point of what would traditionally be considered viability, where they're going to deliver a baby that is going to maybe take a breath, maybe not, most likely going to be in pain. You know, what are you going to do for the next however many weeks, you know, while you're still gestating this baby you know is going to die? So those are the kind of late-term abortions that... Um, you know, I fully support someone's right to decide that they're not going to carry a term of pregnancy that isn't going to be um, viable or where they're, they're trying to spare the child from being in pain because of some condition that they've determined that the, that the child has. Um, and the notion of politicizing those devastating types of, of abortions as if, you know, most people who have abortions aren't waiting until they're 24, 25 weeks. You know, that's not the normal type of situation. When those situations do come up, it's because either there's some terrible news about the baby or there's, you know, a serious health risk to the mother, you know, who, you know, these are difficult med medical decisions that people should be able to make with their physicians. And it shouldn't involve the government at all. Like, where's the liberty concern about people being able to make their own health care decisions? That's an important but thing. Let me, let me, let me ask real quick. Well, let me piggyback on this real quick. So if the child is not shown to have any kind of medical condition and the child's let's just take an example 25 weeks old and the mother then says i'm just not feeling it i don't want to do this i'm being I'm being extreme this but is an extreme hypothetical yes just like i was with with tom so you know with with the your, the wife getting raped that's the most extreme thing so 
I mean, do you have a, a set place in time where there's there's a boundary? There's I a think that it's appropriate and acceptable for state legislatures to decide like where in their state, like where the cutoff line is, a reasonable point of viability, where we're always going to have exceptions for the life and health of the mother and, you know, the ability to, to, to make decisions about, you know, when, when you get this terrible news about a developing baby, like what you can do to to spare the baby or the family or you know those are difficult decisions that the mm -hmm. government has no place getting involved in but for people who find out you know typically people find out sometime between four to ten weeks maybe maybe sometimes later especially for people who have irregular periods where you're not necessarily menstruating every 28 days on the lunar cycle um, everybody doesn't have that particularly if they have health conditions um, you know related to their reproductive system but you know, certainly there shouldn't be any limitation on, you know, getting if, if you can take the, the the medication abortion, which you can take I think up to ten weeks gestation. What interest does the government have in telling you you can't take, a, a, you know, can't have this? It's not even a procedure; it's a pill, or you know, sort of a series of pills. I don't see the government having a reasonable ability to to control that, and that's what most of these situations are. No one should make you have a baby if you don't want to. That's that's just such a that's such an infringement upon someone's liberty to make them do something with their body that they don't want to do. Um, and I would feel a lot more um, sympathetic to what I, you know, congratulate you for having a consistent position. Uh, you know, if you're gonna. I do. Even in the even in the situation of rape, if you're willing to go with, I don't have the right to decide what to do with my body. That's at least consistent. I would be much more open to hearing that position if conservatives cared what happened after the moment of birth. You know, are we going to educate, give health care to feed this child, or are people on their own to do that once they've been forced to serve well, as a broodmare for the well, state? Well, I guess my first question to you on that is, why would you think conservatives, because you're lumping a group of people into one sect. Why do you think conservatives as a whole feel that way? I, I don't think that's the case. That's not my, um, that's, that, that's not been my experience uh, at all. And I think that also comes into where adoption plays into a role. There are so many people in this world who cannot have a child, who want to have a child, who would be phenomenal parents. And think about the potential. That's what I think about. I mean, think about the potential of, let's talk about Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood kills about, I don't know, 350,000 unborn ch children a year, approximately. Most of all, most of them are African-American, I might add. Um, that, what the, the potential that is just gone somewhere into the universe with, with, with that. Why not have a national adoption policy where your concern would be at, at least, at a minimum, severely mitigated because you would have these wanting parents who want to raise these kids of all races, uh, of all sexes, because they uh, they can't have it themselves. So why not do that? And then the other thing is, uh, the other thing I'm hearing from you, which I, I think I'm hearing from you, but I'm probably not hearing from you, but I, I, I kind of think. I'll I, tell you. I'm sure you will. <laughs> is um, it seems like you're, you're somewhat favorable to um, a statewide decision as opposed to a national policy on abortion which Roe Ro v. Wade currently is more or less a national policy. Uh, and I say policy because it was really, in my opinion, legislated from the judicial branch, which is not the right thing to do. Um, so uh, if, for example, Amy Coney Barrett, Barrett gets in, and I, and I don't necessarily 
think she's going to overturn Roe v. Wade or be participate in that, especially with with Roberts, who is really a closet liberal these days. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, you know it's true. You know it's true. So you see what it's he did the other day. Amazing how just being a it's centrist a, is somehow liberal. Uh, now. I don't know, but we can get into that. But um, if she were to assist in the overturning of that, I don't think it gets any worse for abortion right activists then it goes back to the states. And I think most oh. conservatives are okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with cuz I you know, I don't think you can go much farther than that, quite frankly. So let it let it go back to the states. Let the states decide. 10th amendment's a good amendment. It's underutilized, quite frankly. Uh, so is the 9th. Uh, maybe. Uh, so let it let it go back and 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 see where where the chips fall and, you know, if you live in Ohio and you have a conservative government and you can't get and you, you got to go to Pennsylvania, well, so yeah, I mean, if, if you have privilege, if you have resources, if you can take time off from work, I mean, if, if abortion became illegal in, in America tomorrow, many of us could just hop a plane to France and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, but it's the people who are in the least you know, ideal circumstances to care for a child that are the ones who aren't able to access that reproductive health care when they need to. And that's a problem. I mean, from my perspective, you know, to sort of clarify what you were mentioning before, I think that there should be, you know, there's a 14th Amendment, equal protection right to con to control your own health care decisions as a woman up to some reasonable point of viability. And each state can make their own decisions about how they're going to, you know, draw that line within the overall framework of you can't just prohibit this care. And you can't make it so hard to get that people, you know, have to take off three days of work to get one, you know, series of pills that, you know, what has happened, you know, particularly in Ohio and in many other states where they've legislated that you have to be essentially standing in a surgical theater, you know, where there are multiple physicians and there's all of this ability to, like, uh, you know, that you could essentially carry out a heart-lung transplant in this facility when all the people are doing for a medication abortion is taking a pill and then taking another one at home when they, when, you know, after whatever number of hours. But the idea that we're going to let the government control our bodies like this, it always surprises me about conservatives that you're willing to let them control my body as a woman, but putting on a mask is somehow too much to ask. Mm -hmm. You know, forcing someone to carry a pregnancy to term is a little bit more onerous than putting a piece of cloth on your face. So why the liberty concern for one and not the other? Well, here, here, this goes to the fundamental difference that you and I have. When, when you become pregnant, I don't think your body is your body alone. Period, and that's that's how that's wow. how I feel about it. I, I don't like that policy, there, Tom. I don't oh, think well. I'm going to vote for you if you run <laughs> for something. <laughs> well, so let's talk about let's talk about. Uh, you guys mentioned Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, do you believe that? Let me go back to you, Ashley. Do you believe that this president, Donald Trump, has the right as the current sitting president to nominate? this woman as the next Supreme Court Justice. Does he have the right? Well, you know, the Constitution says that the president shall make these appointments. Um, but one of the things that has really disturbed me over the past, not just four years, but, you know, m even more than a decade, is the institutions of government and the sort of general rules that we kind of all, like the rule of law is supposed to protect people. We have to have respect for these institutions. We have to trust 
that even though we have different opinions, we're going to treat each other fairly. So we went through a process where Justice Scalia died in February of an election year. And it was absolutely insisted that, no, we cannot do this this close to an election. The people should get to speak. And if that hadn't happened, if, if they had just confirmed or even given a hearing and a vote to, to Judge Garland for that Supreme Court seat, um, then I'd probably feel differently about my current take on the, on the current uh, nomination process. I'd like some consistency. I'd like some integrity in the process. You know, we can't have one set of rules for ourselves and one set of rules for others. It's not fair and it diminishes people's trust in government and the way and the people we send to do the people's business. It's important that we be that we have integrity through this. So, you know, he he certainly has the right. I mean, but the practice 4 years ago and many of the people who are sitting on that now on that <laughs> Judiciary so, so committee. You believe that he's entitled. This is this is the right thing to do. That's fine. But well, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, there was precedent in your opinion that was set four yeah. years ago. A behavior, a, a habit that was set four years ago. That's inconsistent mm. with the way that right. Trump's and and I think that it's probably, you know, th this is most likely going to happen. She, you know, she'll probably be confirmed. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that the seat she sits on on the Seventh Circuit was a seat where the the Republican Senate refused to nom or refused to hold a confirmation hearing for uh, Myra Selby, who had been nominated to that seat by by uh, President Obama. So she's currently sitting in a seat that someone else wasn't, um, you know, given a vote on. So um, it would surprise me if this process didn't lead to you know an expansion of the court. I think it was a tactically problematic move. Um, to do this because it's going to lead to significant changes in, in the in the Supreme Court. And I think that's what's coming because this was, it was underhanded given the past precedent. Well, here, here are the facts. And we're all lawyers here. Uh, so we all know the term pattern and practice. All right. <laughs> so th there is, it's, it's President Trump's unquestionable right to uh, nominate Amy Coney Barrett. And it's unquestionably the Senate's constitutional uh, right uh, and obligation, in fact, to advise and consent. Uh, I don't think anybody, any reasonable person, can 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 dispute that. So the issue is Merrick Garland. So we we all know when Merrick Garland was nominated, uh, President Obama was a Democrat, was a president, and the Senate, the advisory and consult uh, aspect of the uh, Constitution, was in control of the Senate, the Republicans. Uh, if I remember correctly. I think the, the the statistics are in in the 19 times where uh, during an election year a Supreme Court justice was nominated uh, uh, by uh, uh, a president of the same party that controlled the Senate. 18 of those 19 times in the election year, the nominate the nominated uh, justice was approved and elevated to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the opposite of that, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was extremely low. So there's a pattern in practice there that that allows for this. And and the pattern in practice uh, worked out with Merrick Garland, and the pattern in practice worked out uh, now with Amy Coney Barrett. And I might add that uh, if it wasn't for Harry Reid, who who blew up this whole uh, thing with the, the nuclear option, Amy Coney Barrett probably wouldn't be getting... Uh, approved on Monday, or I should say, uh, elevated to the Supreme Court uh, on Monday. Okay. Now, 
I, I do want to add this regarding Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, and, and, and Ashley, I hope you agree with me on this uh, because this is this is where one of the, the the divisions in this in the society is coming from is this this whole double double standard thing. If if Amy Coney Barrett had a D in front of her name uh, or was a proponent of Roe versus Wade instead of uh, a Scalia disciple, uh, and the and it was up to Schumer. Uh, to to put her through, and Obama was the president. There's no doubt that the Democrats are doing, doing the same thing, and and the fact that they're crying and whining and throwing tantrum tantrums that they're not, they wouldn't do this, and this is a double standard, and this, that, and the other. It's just it's just absolutely, and this is why one of the reasons we can get into it if you want, Nate. This is one of the reasons Trump was elected is this this whole double standard thing. But mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett was is especially for a woman. Just a phenomenal role model. She's got seven kids, uh, two African Americans, two two uh, adopted, one Down syndrome, a working mom, uh, incredible intellect. Uh, what is not to like with this 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 woman? And now uh, I agreed with maybe zero point zero 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 percent of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, ever did on the bench, but I respect her intellect. And I respect her amazing life and what she did. Uh, and I can't imagine any finer replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg other than the ideological differences between right and left. So Those are kind of a big deal. Well, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but the point is, you know, when you say that, well, it's going to result in court packing and everything else if this really happens, well, the Democrats would be doing the exact same thing. And court packing, by the way, is something that Ruth Bader Ginsburg said is absolutely fundamentally detrimental to the court. So um, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I mean, I, uh, but we'll see. Well, I got yeah. out my pocket constitution, mm-hmm. which I always carry with me, um, to see where in in the uh, articles it said that whether or not the a president's Supreme Court nominee should be put up for a vote in the Senate had to do with the party in charge it of either say anything, of those things. So but this it's pattern and practice. They've, they've just made this part up and they can... Over 200 years is pattern and practice. Yeah, uh, it's but, definitely hey. not something that's authorized by the Constitution. It's not it has, unauthorized there's either. No, there's nothing in here that, like that said, suggests that. You, but what I would say well, is, you know, as far as court packing, um, I think if... if you know, it's it's a I, I get upset when people start going. Well, is is Biden going to add people to the court? Well, okay. This you is won't a, answer this the question. Is, this is a failure of civics because Congress is the one is the place where you go let's, to dis, because it's a statutory. Let, let, let's, the yeah, the let's, number let's of shift. Supreme Court justices. This is, a good, yeah. this is a good segue into both of these candidates because they're both they both avoid questions. They both avoid <laughs> well, yeah. obvious. They both avoid <laughs> obvious yeah, well, obvious questions. So. Let's let's go to uh, to so what's your take? Why won't Joe Biden tell who he would put on the court? What's the reasoning for it? Tell who he would put on the yeah, court? Why won't he say who who he would put? They a say list. Well, they would say who would yeah. you bring it? They don't to? tip. I mean, I in well, my lifetime, I don't recall really any candidates besides President Trump put putting forth a list of like here's who I'm going to nominate. I don't I don't recall that, and and so I I don't think so. That, that doesn't bother you. Like he says you'll find out after the election. Because yeah. in your opinion, it's just it's going to be a Democrat fundamental same thing, and you're okay with that. Which is well, I think that it, it depends on who's the there. Way. You know who who can be confirmed based on what kind of Senate they're looking at at the time. I don't know if you can necessarily say right at this moment who exactly you would nominate under any you know given set of circumstances. But okay. you know the the notion of 
of asking presidential candidates whether they would engage in court packing fundamentally misunderstands how the process works. The number of Supreme Court justices is not constitutionally set at nine. It is statutorily set. Congress decides how many Supreme Court justices there are. Over the course of the nation, there have been between four and ten. We've figured out that an odd number is better to avoid... Four and thirteen, actually. Really? Thirteen? Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. it was ten. To avoid ties, we've decided that an odd number is good. So... Any odd number is fine. So let's say Congress in, in early January adds 10 justices to the Supreme Court. Okay, and then the next time Republicans are in charge of Congress, they add, and they've got control of the White House, they add 10 more justices to the Supreme Court. And then we get up to, let's say we get up to 73. And then when one of them dies, it won't feel like the world has come crashing down, how it's felt for m- many of us on the progressive side to lose a lioness of of just this tiny giant who meant so much to us, who opened so many doors for us, and to see someone who doesn't share the same values. You still have Roberts, though. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to rest on those laurels, (laughs) for sure. Um, On the flip side, Tom, why won't Trump answer certain questions? Why is it so hard for him to denounce white supremacy? Well, he first of all, uh, he has a number of times... And he keeps getting asked that question. I don't know how many times you could denounce something before you actually denounce something. Um, uh, but here's the thing with Trump. And by the way, just for the record, I denounce white supremacy. So no one's. Uh, Nobody uh, ever uh, asks me uh, whether uh, I denounce white uh, supremacy. I wonder a, you why. Have, you have a mask on. We already know <laughs> yeah. the answer. But, I'm just, but, but why <laughs> do you know that based on this? It's, what is it's it? It's just a joke. But here's the thing. Here, 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 here's the thing with Trump. And, and, and maybe this is a good time to, to get into this because this is where. You know, Trump uh, was an anomaly. Uh, I think if you ask any Trump supporter, and, and, I, and I'm undoubtedly a Trump supporter, um, but if you ask any Trump supporter, is uh, I don't know what I can say here. Is Trump a jackass? You well, could you could yeah. swear you can say whatever yeah. you'd like. Yes, <laughs> Trump 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 is an asshole. I mean, he says stupid shit. Okay, I know he says stupid shit, um, but that doesn't bother me. How old are your kids? Uh, I have uh, 27, I think 27. My wife, if she's listening, is going to... Uh, 27. <laughs> if she's listening. Uh, uh, 20, yeah, right. She doesn't like to hear me talk. They're <laughs> older than yours, yeah. actually. I'll tell you yeah. that. They're all, they're all in their mid-20s. And I know where you're going because you're saying little kids shouldn't have to be I can't let my kids watch a presidential debate or even a snippet of presidential speaking on television. Okay, and, and, I, and I that bothers me. I, I, I get that. I understand as a that. mom. I understand that, but from a, from a countrywide perspective, I you know... It seems like there's a division in this country where if Trump says something and he hurts somebody's feelings, it's orange man bad and I hate him and whatever. That doesn't bother me. Now, I don't have young kids. Uh, if I had young kids, would it still bother me? No. Would I, would I handle it differently with them? Probably. Now I have an adult conversation with my kids. Um, but, you know, I like Trump's policies, period. Uh, there's not many policies that Trump has instituted over the course of the last three years, which have been many, that I don't uh, agree with. So when he says stupid shit, it doesn't really impact me. Now, other people, and I and I put really the millennials into this group, who, in my opinion, and, and my kids are millennials, and, and, but I, I, I'd like to think the way I've raised them, they're a little different, but many of the millennials out there just don't know what the hell's going on. And they, and they listen to things, and they're led by the nose, and they're led. They, they critical thinking has gone by the wayside in this society, which I think is really, really 
the problem with the division in this country is people cannot think for themselves. They're, they're listening to the media. They're listening to uh, what people say without doing an investigation on their own. And then when you do the investigation, quite frankly, you don't know if you're getting the truth. It goes back to my point originally that we don't know what we, we don't know about some things. Uh, but, you know, Trump says stupid shit, Ashley, and, and I'm okay with that. And 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 I am I, I am able, I am not. but I'm able, and I know you are too. And I'm, not, I'm able. And I'll I'm tell able. You why. I'm, I'm able to filter out this stuff from but him. In a country that's this vast and impressive and educated, that yep. we can't find someone who's impressive and dignified to hold the highest office in the land, like Obama. That's that is not impressive. I don't remember him like calling anyone stupid or being rude to people. Like no, I'm talking about just no, basic but, but his policies dignity. were horrible. But you're changing the subject. No, we're not. not talking about a, policy. Disagreeing with somebody on policy we're talking about is who's different. Fit to, we're talking about who's we're fit talking, to be president, right? I mean, no one was scared that he might say something rude or who, who cares? Or, or evil. I don't care. I I'm, do. I'm, I'm that talk- should be a baseline. Here, I would rather have. That should be the baseline would, for I, any no, candidate. I would Can rather you, have. Are you polite? And decent should no, be I the baseline. I disagree. I would. I would rather have. Here, here. Let me. Let this me give, is let me, one of the let, problems. Let me, let me give you an example. Point, let me give you an example. You're willing I, to to no, forgive Ashley, this I, No, not forgive. No, not forgive. You're but willing here, to tolerate and accept this. I would behavior? rather have Trump. I would re- listen. Just please listen to me for a second. I would rather have Trump say something stupid or offensive than deliver 150 billion dollars of money on a pallet to Iran. I don't think Period. that that's a that that's even the comparison. It's a that total I'm comparison. Talking, we should be able on any side of the aisle to find someone who can comport themselves with the decorum of this office. It's, it's to me that's a baseline. To me, com- comporum, if you want to use that word, is did not, I? I thought it, I said comport with the decorum uh, uh, or, or comporum decorum. I, Sorry, I, I heard it might comporum, be a may, mask. Thing. Well, it might I don't know. Uh, that's why I said uh, decorum. Let's use the word decorum. Then. That is not the measuring stick for, for me. And, and that's not the measuring stick for a lot of what you or the left calls deplorables. We got to a point where the decorum, where uh, Hillary Clinton or Obama or Joe Biden gets up there and in, in a very measured way says things that are just either not true or they reflect the double standard and or they're, they're, they reflect policies that we don't agree with. And then you have Trump who quite frankly, comes out like a guy that I might be willing to have a beer with down at, or a bourbon with down at Lizardville down the road, who, who, yeah, sounds like an asshole, but, oh, you, you, you agree that what happened with Iran or, or, or what happened with the, the 33,000 emails that were deleted, I mean, you believe that is wrong, and, and it's the policies. It's the policies, because it's the policies, Ashley, ask that ultimately run our lives. Well, it's not the words of the of the person implementing the policies that run our lives. But and we I should be ca- able to do better than this. Okay, on both sides. I agree, but here's the problem with that. Unless you have, I don't know, what is it now, $3 billion? I do not. Uh, do I, you? No, I don't. Okay. Um, well, otherwise, I'd be running for president, <laughs> and you wouldn't be voting for me. That's so. <laughs> probably a fair guess. Yeah. So, but my point is, my point is, my point is, unless we have three billion dollars, it's not going to happen. I, I wholly agree. If you want to agree with me on this, that there is some man or woman out in the United States somewhere who makes fifty thousand dollars a year who was probably a really good person that would be mm-hmm. a really, really good president. We're never going to see that person. 
And that's what I think we need to fix. I, I, I don't know how to I fix never that. Wanna, I mean, as a progressive, I'm never willing to throw up my hands and go, we can't fix this, because gosh darn it, we're going <laughs> to find a way to fix it, because right. every improvement that's ever been made has been made by a small group of dedicated individuals. So we can change the world that's if true. we want to. I want it to be that, you know, by the time my grandkids are watching a presidential debate, that I'm not going, you know what, this is inappropriate for them. I'm going to have to put on something well, else. Well, Biden did I call Trump a clown. I mean, so yeah, that, was that decorum? I don't think that that's a pro. I don't think we should do name calling. I don't I think agree. we should be telling people to shut up. I, I think that it's devolved based on having a reality TV personality try and fill a, a, a role that is made for someone who is supposed to be statesmanlike, who's supposed to be a role model and a leader and someone that can keep it together I under the most difficult circumstances. You and I do it in court. Uh, we do. When somebody's given you, you know, yep. you've got a, a witness or a judge or somebody's given you a bunch of grief, you put on your, you know, your court face, your court right. voice, I perform my gender in a non-threatening manner. Right. You know, we do all these things that are, we're, we're curbing these urges to just like lash out at people. Right. But we we should be able to expect that of our, that, that of would, our that president. Would, that would be wonderful. But when you're given a choice, okay, and this is where it comes down to right now, uh, when you're given a choice of decorum versus results, and there's, you, you got to pick one or the other. Well, okay? I think I would have uh, picked then, then the pick results. results. I would have picked the results of what a nerdy policy wonk like Hillary Clinton would have done in the face of the coronavirus no. 10 times over the lack of decorum that we've had here. I mean, as a, I mean, I'll share a personal story. Um, you know, I was very stricken by the result of the 16 election. I had at the time a 15-month-old daughter. Um, I was, you know, on the all into the polls. I was on Nate Silver every day. I'm like, oh, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen, and it felt like a personal victory to me because this is somebody who looks like me who's finally gonna be sitting in that chair. Finally, people are gonna think that women can lead. Finally, people are going to think that women can hold responsibility. It's something that I struggle with in my own life, as you know, my professional life, dealing with people who you know are not always comfortable with a woman in a position of authority. And <clears throat> I put my son to bed, who's two years older, and I sat there with that little 15-month-old on my lap, and she was never one to sit real still. <laughs> but she sat there with me, and we sat there, and we watched those returns, and that kid sat up with me till 5.30 in the morning till I finally gave up and just tears were running down my face and all that could run through my head was they hate us they hate us they hate us they hate us like if if this person who doesn't seem to have any we don't hate you by the way it doesn't feel that way well i can tell if, you if this person who doesn't even have the intellectual curiosity to like learn the things that are necessary to know to do this who can't even bring himself to meet some basic level of just not being rude in public what does that say about the the way that women are viewed in our society? That has been something that I've I struggled with mightily then, and many many women that I practice with and that I you know know professionally and personally. It, it was a it felt like a personal affront to to go. You've got like the person probably most ever qualified as far as experience to be president has lived in the White House, has done foreign policy, has done domestic policy. This person is a nerd. This person would have crushed the coronavirus because she would have known everything there was to know about it. She would have become the world's foremost expert by the time, you know, we got to the end of March. Let me ask you about uh, foreign policy since you bring it up. Let's talk about what Trump's done for the last four years in foreign policy. <laughs> There's been some 
historic things that have happened in the Middle East, the uh, Abraham Accords, Israel, uh, the U United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain. Three countries that have vast, I mean, you want to talk about <clears throat> fundamental differences, Bahrain and UAE versus Israel, the religious stuff. Um, it doesn't get more different than that, and they've come together with a peace accord. This, this is unprecedented in history. Uh, eliminating ISIS, uh, take pulling back from the Iran deal. I mean, there's been a lot of things that a lot of people say have been great. So tell me your take, Ashley, on what is your take about President Trump's foreign policy? I think overall our standing in the world has diminished by virtue of, of having this particular kind of a character in, in, in our highest office. And, and I don't know how long it's going to take to come back from the perception that we are not a serious people because we put someone who lacks just basic decorum into, into that role. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to to remember that if we want to call ourselves the leaders of the free world, then picking someone who acts like a leader all the time without exception, who doesn't, um, you know, devolve into petty, spiteful, personal little battles, you know, that's important and that affects how we're seen on the world stage. We have to be seen as above that kind of stuff. And, and when you see um, a president battling with someone on Twitter or making rude comments to journalists, I mean, this is... We should be able to be better than this. But what about those those feats, those achievements? I mean, what any, about the steak? Not the, not the sizzle, but the steak. Anytime we're uh, anytime we're bringing more cooperation and peace and diplomacy to the world, it's a good thing. Um, you know, I I don't want to you know take away from any kind of progress that's been made to to make the world a better place for anyone. I I, I think that it's always important to be doing that. Um, you know, I would I would find it hard to to imagine that um, pulling out of the Iran deal didn't make us less safe. So I, that's not something that I can support. Pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, that's not something that I can support as somebody who's got little kids who are going to live you know, into the, into the future. I think we need to be a leader in every way on the world stage to, if we want to still call ourselves the leaders of the free world. What's your take on, on what he's done foreign policy? Well, let me start here. Versus what Obama yeah. and Biden did, yeah. because again, that's what we're talking about is right. Biden and, right. and Trump. Well, first let me say this. Uh, Donald Trump is the first president in recent history, I can't remember the last one, who hasn't started a war. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Obama, that's all he wanted to do was start wars. Um, we've killed Soleimani. Uh, he destroyed ISIS. Uh, he pulled out of the Iran deal, which is... Any, in my opinion, any reasonable human being who looks at that deal realizes it was some type of a payoff, and it was an absolute disaster. Uh, you don't, you don't, you just don't deliver 150 billion dollars in cash. I might add on a pallet in in Iran. The Paris Accord, uh, again, is saving us a, a, a billions of dollars. Um, he's moved uh, the U.S. Embassy into Jerusalem, and he has uh, uh, made he has cemented the most important strategical alliance uh, uh, in the Middle East with uh, Israel, which uh, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, and Hillary Clinton all were against. Uh, never did any, they, they never did anything substantive, actually, to, to cement that relationship. They, they, it was all talk. Um, he's been, uh, I think now it's up to three Nobel Peace Prizes for the, the, uh, the peace accords that he struck uh, in the Middle East. Um, I don't know how anybody can look at what he has done. Oh, and, and the UN, 
Uh, he, he's increased the UN contributions. I mean, we were just everybody's piggy bank for, for, I don't know, the last 50 years when it came to the UN, which is a completely ineffective institution and should probably be disbanded. Uh, but uh, it, 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 it has... There's one other thing, too. I'm sorry, I'll let yeah, you finish. Ahead. But one other thing that I think has been unprecedented as well, just as just, just facts, factual, is uh, seeing Trump with the dictator in North Korea. And, and regardless of whether or not we're friends with them, just for that kind of moment, again, it kind of contradicts the way that he acts and behaves. But then there he is somehow, the first U.S. president ever to step foot into this enemy territory to try to eventually bridge the gap. So well, I, this is something he, else important. This is the thing with Trump, and this goes to, I think this goes to, in a weird way, it goes to your point on, on, on how he, he presents himself. Trump is an asymmetric individual, uh, let alone an asymmetric president. He doesn't do things the normal way. I think uh, that people, uh, the leaders of the, of the other world, they do respect him. I don't think they necessarily like him. Uh, and that's okay with me. Uh, if you don't like my president, but you respect him, and you know that, hey, if you if you hurt uh, our military members, we're going to take out the, your chief uh, uh, sponsor of terrorism with a, a, a missile, uh, that's okay with me. I'm, well, so I'm, what about I'm happy the Russian it. bounties? The idea oh, that, that people well, are for, putting see, bounties on that's our a service talking point that, 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 is, that is a talking point that has been... Uh, number one, not substantiated, but well, I don't think you want to go there because, well, condemned. no, well, let's, then we need to talk about Hunter Biden and getting 3.5 million from the mayor of Moscow and, from an oligarch and all the stuff he was doing in in Kazakhstan and China and everything else. Because I'll tell you what, none of the Trump kids were doing that, and it's <laughs> it's undeniable that it's going on. And I and and based on that, I I'm telling you, Joe Biden is probably one of the biggest. Uh, um, candidates for president who have been a, a national security risk. And that's why he's put a quote-unquote lid on the rest of his week, other than maybe because of his, his, his weak physical health, he's put a lid on talking to anybody because this whole thing with Hunter Biden is disqualifies Biden for a presidency. He clearly did a quid pro quo uh, in, 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 uh, in the Burisma deal. He was his kid has made millions of dollars. I don't know if you saw this statistic. I just saw it the other day. So, in 2016, or maybe it was 2015. I think it was 2016. The Bidens made just south of four hundred thousand dollars. Pretty decent living. Okay. And between 2016 and 2018, they made sixteen million dollars. Now, how does that happen? What's the okay. comparison with the data of that same time period of the Trump family well, during this presidency? The comparison is this, is before Donald Trump went into politics, they were international business people and they were billionaires before then, okay? So I don't think there's any comparison at all. I would rather see, I would rather see a billionaire uh, go into politics uh, than see somebody like, oh, I don't know, the Clintons who went into politics poor and come out with a hundred million dollars, I mean, you, 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 these are the things where guys like me, who are Trump supporters, we see this, and we get the look on your face, looking at me when I'm talking about this, going, I don't, you know, it, I could tell, tell by the I look mean, on your you, face. You're do like, you think this is a Democrat Republican thing? You don't think the Trump family's done better while their father is in office? You don't think that the same was true for every single? presidential family in the history of the country let's let's say it was and i don't necessarily think that, that it was with the trumps but let's say it was it does that make it all right 
I mean, no, but I that's mean, a that's Nancy a fundamental Pelosi, problem but, that you but, can't but, call but, out one side or the other about. I agree with that. And, then why but, are you doing? I'm not doing it. That's it what sounded that's, like you were with Hunter Mide. That's what. Well, I don't think I don't. There's no look. If there is any evidence that Eric Trump or Don Trump Jr. made billions of dollars or even millions of dollars in addition to what they would have made anyways over the last three years, you don't think we would have heard about that from the from the media? We haven't heard that because it's not there. We would have heard that because the media is the sixth estate. Well, I don't know. Eventually, we're going to find some tax well, returns somewhere. Well, well, wait, well, wait a second. <laughs> don't you think we would have found that out already? I mean, we would have found that out, Ashley, and it's not there. It's you, not there at you, all. You say tax returns. What, what's your guys' take about there's a fundamental difference in taxes between mm-hmm. Biden and, and uh, Trump? That's definitely something that's been out on the table. Uh, so, Ashley, does that concern you that they're potentially – Tax taxes may rise to forty percent for uh, families making north of four hundred thousand um, dollars. You know the the uh, estate taxes, the um, capital gains taxes may go from twenty to your federal income tax number. Those kind of things. What what's your take on that? I think that if you want to have a functioning society, you have to pay for it. It's not something that comes for free. And those of us in a position to to devote more resources to that endeavor have, you know, are are better protected by virtue of, you know, ensuring that society runs smoothly and that we provide people with the things that they need. You know, the government's first job is to protect people. And secondly, to make sure that nobody's left behind. We shouldn't be running a, a country that is, you know, purports to be the leader of the free world that's the wealthiest nation on earth where kids are hungry seniors are hungry people can't get the health care that they need it's important to have these uh, policies that allow people to be cared for these people that come into being whether their moms wanted uh, wanted to have uh, pregnancies or not and making sure that people are taken care of um, throughout their life cycle, that education is something that, that is within reach for the, for the average person. Um, and that stuff costs money. It just does. I mean, I'm certainly not in favor of, of any sort of waste, whether it's corporate waste or government waste or, you know, waste on an individual family level. I think we should all be cautious about how we're spending our money. Um, and, and as stewards of public funds, public officials are, must be, um, deliberate and and careful about the way that they're spending money but certainly we need more than as far as government services and programs than than is being provided too many people are left in need too many people have to work multiple jobs just to feed their families Mm -hmm. and we should be able to have you know you should be able to work a a 40-hour week and take care of your family that's not something that should be up for debate um you know we have a lot of nostalgia, I think, in this country for like days gone by. Um, and while there were certainly things that were not positive about the, you know, the 50s and 60s, the idea that you know the the, the wage comparisons at that point, like what a, a a single earner household could do, as far as raising a family, we need to get back to a place where something like that's possible. We need to. Get make sure all the boats are, are so, rising. And you so see I'm that more happening. than happy to pay more taxes so if that's that, going to happen. You see that, so you believe that that's going to happen with taxes being raised, the government taking more of the money from the people, they could then what distribute it back somehow into various programs that other people could then make more weight. How do you see that well, happening? Well, it's for all of. I mean, when the government taxes the people, we get all sorts of services. We get police and fire. We get roads. We get bridges. You know, and people have to perform those jobs 
and and build those you know that infrastructure and so the the the, the money that is taxed doesn't just go to giving the things that that we need it also provides you know it contributes to the economy as as those things are purchased and built it's important to remember that we're we're all in this together and we can't we can't be demonizing each other or pretending like government is terrible because government is where we come together to give everybody a fair shot it's not something that can be done on a one-to-one basis it's not something that can be done on a local level you know we tried having states be essentially independent little countries. It was the Articles of Confederation. It failed. It's why we have the Constitution, because we needed a robust federal government to ensure that people's liberties were protected, that our economy could be strong. And it's important to to continue with that and not not pretend like government is something that's bad. understand. And I want to get to your, your take on the taxes thing, but before we get there, so you're not against defunding the police? not against defunding see there's a double negative in there that makes it difficult. Are you, you know what uh, the you're, main you're, thing you're, for, you're for more police i mean you said that well, the taxes the go I'm, back i'm certainly i'm chiefly in favor of progressives getting better at naming stuff because defund the police <laughs> is a horrible name for what is at its core a meaningful and positive idea right. about not requiring police officers to handle things for which they're not trained um, whether it's mental health issues, whether it's a loose dog, you know, ev- police ca- aren't the answer for everything. Um, and, and making sure that we have people who are trained to respond to different kinds of situations, be they social workers, mental health specialists, you know, having police respond to crimes is what police should be doing. Police should not be the ones on the front lines of, of mental health episodes that are happening in someone's home. Sure, um, sure. And so I'm, I'm fully in favor of the the sort of notion of spreading out the the duties that that have fallen on the police and putting them kind of into buckets where they make a little more sense but i would prefer if we could stop using the terminology because it's i didn't come up yeah. with that i promise you <laughs> me uh, neither <laughs> uh what's your take on, on the, the the taxes and, and the economy because again that's the most important look at the issues right this is what everyone cares about right. what's the economy done for the last four years eight years twelve years and uh, the tax issue. Right. So just well, the fundamental differences here today in this election and is, you know, Ashley is big government. I'm I'm not. I'm a capitalist. And and the fundamental difference is capitalism versus socialism. Quite frankly, and I think there's a there is a a poll taken. Um, maybe it was this week or last week that indicated uh, at least 56 percent of the people are are saying they're better off now than they were four years ago. And the policies that Trump has instituted and the tax cuts that he's instituted have fundamentally assisted in the capitalistic way. And uh, I know the left says, well, he's giving all the benefits to the to the wealthy and this, that, and the other. That's not how I view it. Um, uh, I'm not a billionaire, uh, but I'm able to uh, hire more people. I'm able to hire uh, or pay my people more money and pass that down. This $400,000 uh, uh, deal that Biden keeps um, promoting, that he's not gonna tax one dime uh, anybody over 400000 what people are not being told is- uh, You mean anybody under? Or, I'm sorry, anybody, anybody under, under yeah, yeah. Anybody under 400000 right. is not gonna get taxed under a dime. It's anybody over 400000 What he what What he's not telling people is, People between who are making f- between four hundred thousand and let's say one point five or maybe even two million, 
that's America. Those are the small businesses in America who are making that kind of money, who are employing people, who are churning things out, who are creating things. Uh, and that's going to kill industry. It's going to kill policy. It's going to kill uh, businesses coming into this thing. For example, uh, under Biden's uh, tax plan, he wants to increase the Social Security tax and payroll tax 12.4% over what it is right now. Um, I, I own my own firm. You're a partner in your own firm. Uh, people don't understand how how devastating that is. That is a that's a huge, huge number, and that means I can't hire more people. Maybe I have to pay people less, um, whatever. But the the po the policies that Trump has instituted on the tax basis here are demonstrably effective, and they've been effective for the last three years. And 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 what Biden is going to try and do. And he's going to come in here, and he's got this whole, you know, whether he wants to say it or not, he's he's in favor of the whole new green deal, whatever that is, and you know, uh, retrofitting the next uh, all the buildings in the world for a, a bazillion dollars. Who's going to pay for all that? I want to I, I I want to pay my fair share, but I want to keep more of my money, quite frankly. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that and there's nothing wrong with me wanting to keep more money, but yet I will help society with my taxes. And I will help society with what my charitable donations are and everything else. And most importantly, and this goes to Ashley's point, the number one job is of, of the government is to protect the people. The number one job of government is not to provide for the people. Okay? And when you when you mix protecting the people with providing the people, that's where you get to a socialistic state. And that's where it's getting, it's going to be dangerous. It hasn't worked anywhere in the world for the last several hundred years. Uh, uh, capitalism, by far, not only creates more jobs, creates better lives, creates more self-worth, uh, and Biden is going to, uh, and by the way, we're assuming Biden is actually, if he is elected, I don't think Biden's going to be president for more than three weeks after he gets elected. Uh, and then we're going to be stuck with Kamala Harris, who is by far the most left of any of the senators and is controlled by AOC and and everybody else. It's just it, where do it, they it, tell you guys this it, stuff? Well, is they there don't, a no, newsletter well, you're getting? No, well, or? see that that's that's see now see that's the elitist condescending attitude that us Trump supporters uh, led us to Trump. Well, the because idea I that have, somebody have, in her twenties is controlling I, 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 a senator in her fifties is have, kind have, of just I have an individual, mind-blowing to I, me. I have an individual and independent mind and thought process, and I am able to see what is going on. And if you can't see that AOC has an influence over the left... She's along controlling with, Senator Harris, uh, is what you said. Do you really believe I, that? I didn't say she was necessarily controlling her, but she has certainly an influence, and Kamala Harris is by far a progressively radical progressive who is in line with AOC? You say that like it's a bad thing. It is a bad thing. I don't think because it's a bad because well, thing. do you like Venezuela? Um, I've never been to Venezuela, and you probably never will because it's a disaster. I would love to get on an airplane more than anything else. <laughs> but it would be uh, nice it, to get back to socialism. That. Socialism and paying for everything and making sure everybody uh, is is happy and has enough money and everything else <laughs> is not the way to go unless you are actually earning it and creating it yourself. And well, that's what capitalism does. Let's just be clear that we already have a socialist society. I mean, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, like we haven't 
fallen to bits by giving people the things that they need to not but it's die not a in socialist, the streets. It's not a socialist it's society. A, it's not a socialist yeah, society. Yeah, it is. It's, no, I mean, it's when, really not. When they proposed really implementing Social Security and Medicare, it was decried as socialist and everything will fall to pieces. But now people are used to it and they like it mm-hmm. because we don't have you know, old ladies dying in the streets because they can't support themselves and eating cat food and all of the stories that you read looking back at, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't it, think what, that would happen anyways. But. That's what was happening and why we have Social Security and Medicare. That was the world. And the the response was, no, we can't do this progressive thing. It will be socialist. And it's fine. And everybody loves it now. Good luck convincing a senior citizen that you want to take oh, away there. I'm, I'm, I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a proponent. You're of okay away. with that socialism? I, I, I'm not a proponent of social security. I don't. I don't. I don't equate social security to socialism. Okay. If How you, is it different? Well, there are certain aspects of the government that do assist people, but that's not that's not the socialist dynamic that Kamala Harris and the left are looking for. So I mean, what is? Well, paying for all the student loans, free education free health care all of that stuff and when you combine it is not going to work okay. actually so free health care for people 65 and over is okay but free health care for people under 65 is social as long as the capitalist structure of it helps fund that yes but if you're taking that away well, then no it's all going to fall i'm a capitalist you're not going to meet many people uh, more progressive than me yeah and i am fully a capitalist okay. i believe people should be able to we can have it doesn't it's not a zero sum game it's not either we help no one or we help everyone there have to be reasonable lines drawn there have to be reasonable judgments made we need to put good kind decent caring compassionate people in positions to make those decisions well, so we can figure out how best to work I think for I, everybody but see i think i can help people because our society benefits I, when people I, aren't sick I, and when people are educated and I, when people aren't hungry I think we I all can, we all well, benefit from I, that. I think i can help benefit society a lot more when I have the 19% difference between 20% taxes and 39% taxes, because I will be able to use that difference for the benefit of society a hell of a lot more than giving that money to the government and for them doing whatever they're going to do with it. Period. I don't know. I don't. I, do. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think oh, that we not, we need I, to. I'm not surprised. Shock. You know. Spoil, spoiler alert. Yeah. Right. I do right. not agree with that. And I, I think it's hard to it's hard to imagine. A world where we aren't providing some sort of, you know, both medical and financial support to our retired Americans, and the way that that was talked about, it, you know, before that was enacted or in the process of enacting that, is the same way that people talk about, um, you know, the the laundry list of things you just mentioned. The idea that it's, it's all going to fall to pieces because it's socialism, but the arc of the moral universe bends one way, and we keep working to move it that way, and we're never going back. So mm, that's that, well. That's we're never going. That's back. a troubling statement. Yeah, that's a troubling statement. I love it. That's yeah. why no, I mean, that's why it's important. Well, we're gonna fight the we're gonna fight the arc. <laughs> and you know what? That's why I cling to it like my life depends on it because I know that mine and, and more. That's what this, well, that, actually, I'm pretty privileged. My life doesn't that, depend that, on it, but so many other people's and, lives do depend and, on and it. And that's and, and and that's where this election is coming down to is, mm-hmm. that, is that arc. That's a good point. Yeah. Let, let's let's jump a couple th- other main points before because we're running out of time here. Um, it's been 14 hours already. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel, I feel like it for you guys. Does it feel like know. a minute over 10 hours? Right. <laughs> Tom, yep. to you, back on Trump, uh, we're going to hit a couple other main topics before we close it up. Uh, do, do you believe that his handling of, of violent crime, let's jump to violent crime. This year it had coronavirus, it had George Floyd. Um, 
and we know what happened after the George Floyd stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the country went up in, into flames, literally. Mm -hmm. uh, do you believe? Do you attribute that any of this of this bad behavior in society to the way that Trump is? To Ashley's point, uh, because of the the example that he's setting for people, and a uh, second part of that question is how do you feel he handled the uh, post George Floyd stuff? Well, I, I I don't think you could say this in a in a vacuum. I don't think Trump is responsible for all the violence that happened related to that. I think people's reaction uh, to Trump, which uh, I think are somewhat um, an overreaction to things he might say contributed to that. Uh, I don't think Trump wants violence in the streets, and I don't think he contributed to it. I mean, I go back to this, is when you had all this violence in the streets, it was all, it seemed very organized, it, it, and it was all democratic, democratically run uh, cities, Oregon, Minnesota, uh, wherever. You know, the fact that people try to put that all on Trump because he says something or another is, is ridiculous. When you get down to the local level, you have to be able to deal with it, period. And I don't think the, and I don't, I don't think the local uh, uh, governments, not only did they not deal with it, I think they, especially when you take a look at or Oregon, they, uh, they encouraged it by having their own little, you know, cities of violence that, that they wouldn't allow uh, the National Guard to come into to help out or, or whatever. Um, I think Seattle was one of those. Uh, yeah. Seattle, yeah. yeah. So no, so, so no I, I don't think Trump can be blamed for that at all. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with what I term to be a, a, a liberal tantrum on how they, they just don't like Trump and they, wanna, uh, they want to create this violence to put him out of office. And, and, and interestingly, when that started to pull badly for, for the liberals, the violence, it just went away. You haven't heard about it since. So I think it was very orchestrated. I think it was very controlled. And I don't think Trump had anything to do with that. Now, related to George Floyd and, and all those other things, first of all, what happened to George Floyd was horrific. Um, I know there's there's information on both sides of w what was going on, but that shouldn't happen to any to anybody. Um, and there should be better training for some police. But the bottom line is, in every in our profession, in your profession, in every profession, there's there's bad apples. It doesn't make it doesn't make every lawyer bad. It doesn't make every uh, host bad. It doesn't make every cop bad. We shouldn't be defunding the police. Um, when I'm uh, faced with a situation where I want the police, I don't want uh, a social worker to come out and talk me down or whatever. I, I just don't want that. I want I want uh, uh, the police to come come to the uh, situation. Um, so. You know, uh, the the whole George Floyd thing and and what happened in those situations are appalling to yeah. me. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think you could put that on Trump. What do you, what was your take about the the uh, the violence that we saw in twenty twenty and uh, the response? How do you respond to Tom? <clears throat> well, it's always hard for me to talk about this without ugly crying. I've never still I've still never watched the vi the video. Um, because I don't want to f fall to pieces. Um, I'm, I continue to be stricken by how much systemic racism still exists in this country, and that's not Donald Trump's fault. Um, that you know he it long predated him, um, but it feels like he gave permission to people to voice things that had been 
previously understood to be unacceptable um, as far as expressing hatred toward people who look differently than than one looks. And the notion that, um, you know, there, there are certainly, I agree with you, bad apples in the police department, but take that metaphor to the end. What, what needs to happen to the bad apples? Or, they need oh, to be prosecuted. Yeah, or yeah. what happens to the bunch? Instead, we've got the city of Cleveland Police Union fighting to keep the man who murdered Tamir Rice on the force. But they don't want the bad apples gone. The bad apples destroy the bunch, and the culture becomes such that four police officers can be in a place where one of them is kneeling on someone's neck and the other three don't do anything to stop it. How can that be in this country? How can that be okay? Is it remotely surprising that people were infuriated to the point that they couldn't stay in their homes, that they had to be out in the streets but voicing does, their does right? Violence, does violence responding to violence make violence okay? Of course not, but I'm certainly not willing to lump the looters in with the protesters any more than I'm willing to lump the bad apples in with the rest of the police officers. It's important to maintain these distinctions so because it is not black and white always. People have complex reasons for the things that they do and the ways that they feel. And I don't think any reasonable person can ignore the the people of color and, and everyone who everyone should be outraged. Everyone should be out in the streets. The notion that it's not touching us personally is not enough to to sit idly by and accept that this is something that could happen on our watch, we in our country. That's I, not okay. I, I, I don't disagree with anything that you just said, uh, just so we know that. But I, I do want to raise this point because I think it's important. I, I agree with you. There there's there's there is racism that racism that's going on. I don't know that racism's ever racism is ever going to go away. It would be ideal if it does, but it seems like if we're being honest, and this is where part of the division comes up, there is also a race industry that's going on in this world that is promoting this idea. Uh, there's people who make money off of racism. There's uh, uh, there just is, and and they they try to infuse it. Um, and they try to put it on people like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, know how what many, you mean. I, I, well, I'll tell you what I mean. I don't know how many times where, and, and this is not the best example in the world because we're having a, a civil, reasonable conversation, but I could be on Facebook and I could, uh, I could say something like, well, uh, we don't know what all the evidence is yet. Let's listen to the evidence before, before anything comes out. Well, I'm a racist now. Okay. And, hmm. and, and that, and it's that type of, the, of division and, and as soon as you get called you mean when you watch the video and watch, then you say what's well, let's see if well, he was well, maybe I'm, arrested even, for something I'm not 10 even saying, years I'm ago not even, no i'm not even saying george floyd i'm just <laughs> using a, a, an example where there's there's a shooting or something um i think i, I think maybe the, the the better example is the kenosha shooting okay um horrible situation but um there's there's a lot of evidence there that that was a good shoot as they say, okay. Well, I'm just saying, but it feels Im like a punch in oh, but, the gut when but, you describe uh, it like that. Well, I'm just using the lingo, but uh, immediately there is um, these people descend on the cities. Uh, Brianna Taylor is another example. Uh, the people descend on these cities where um, they start using race as an income-based uh, um, uh, vehicle. 
that doesn't do anybody in our society any good. I don't understand what you mean by an income-based vehicle. Well, for example, the attorney for um, uh, Brianna Taylor, uh, I think his name is Ben Crum, the, that attorney, and um, I think he was the attorney for the Kenosha guy, he, he, he comes in and he, he starts mixing things up on race, and then you, you see the evidence. The Brianna Taylor issue went to a, a, a grand jury, and they just—they're uh, going to unseal that. So well, now we'll see how hard they okay. tried to get those guys. That's okay. Indicted. I'm not—I'm yeah. not—I'm not making a judgment. I'm just saying it went through the process. Okay, it went through the process. You're saying that you're being called a racist if if there's a, a if there's any disagreement a, over between it. a police officer and a public person, different yeah. races, and one of them's shot. You're immediately if it was a black man that's shot by a white police officer. If I if I if I you're if, being called a racist if on I, Facebook. Yeah. You're saying. Or, or wherever. Wherever. I mean, wherever. I'm just saying if I if if I question. Let's just wait to see what the story is, as opposed to immediately saying, "White man bad, black person dead." This is a racist event. You know, I'm not willing to go there. If I hear the situation, George Floyd, that was obviously a bad situation. Then we can make that decision. But I think immediately jumping to the to the race issue, and what I'm saying, there's people who descend on these cities that are making money off of. Increasing the racist tension between the. Uh, I don't know. People. I don't see where you're. I, I still haven't found where the dollars are coming from in your in your race based industry kind of okay. comparison. I, I don't know how demanding public officials take appropriate action in response to um, violence against people of color is somehow income based um, or somehow generating well, funds I, for I anybody. Think I think it's a maybe way. Maybe I'm to not articulating it the right way, but there's. I think a, it's a, a way to dismiss legitimate concerns. No, are, are you? Do you believe that Donald Trump is racist, Ashley? I think we live in a racist society. I think that imbued in all of us at some level, on a conscious or subconscious level, is racism. And unless we're actively working to fight that, because the culture, just the culture itself gives you, you know, representations of, of people of color in movies and TV and books and in any kind of, you know, the way that, um, you know, the way the media covers things, the, the, the race-based, um, you know, there, there's a racial component to everything. And certainly people of color experience their lives through that lens. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so I don't think there's any of us in America who can say that on some level we are not affected personally by racism and that we don't have to constantly be working to interrupt those biases. I don't think that this president is attempting to interrupt those biases that come from the institutionalized racism of our culture. And I think that the reason that I view it that way is because so many of the people who support him seem thrilled to be able to talk openly now about their hatred of, of groups that don't look like them. And I don't think that that's, I mean, that's not something I saw with George W. Bush. It's not something I saw with his father. It's not something I've seen. Um, I mean, I don't really remember. I was too young to like have a cognizance of politics during the <laughs> Reagan years. Maybe you can speak to they're, that. But they were wonderful years. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, but, it's not well, something. Well, well, it, it's not something that we can. I, I, I we can. Push. We can't just ignore that. Yeah, like, gotta, there's got to be an explanation uh, for why uh, why the uh, tiki torch the, guys the, the, feel totally empowered at this point. This is this is where I push back a little bit because, and this is where I go back to my my point I made a while back about results. Uh, Trump has done more in three and a half years for African Americans. Oh, please don't say that. I'm, I'm saying it because, he, <laughs> look, the unemployment rate is better. He, the First Step Act, uh, Joe Biden just uh, uh, 
the other day said his vote for the uh, Crime Act of 1994 was a disaster. Uh, put I a lot of Af- put a lot of African Americans unnecessarily in jail. Uh, Trump is letting them out. Uh, he's making ways to to help them to get out, and he's he's helping ways to make them become economically better off. So when you say you say he's got a a penchant for uh, allowing people to say things bad that maybe they wouldn't say without him, when you look at the results and actually what he is doing. Uh, they don't match. I feel like he's done a, a lot of rock lifting, and 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 I, I'm looking forward to the day when people who have those kind of backwards views, who just hate people because they don't look like them, understand that under the rocks are the places they're supposed to be. If they're not willing to come into, you know, a, a more loving and compassionate view of other people, if you're not willing to see the basic human dignity of all people, whether or not they look like you then you're not meeting us on the level where we need to meet as a self-governing people. It's not appropriate to to have those kinds of views of other people. It's just not. And, you know, the notion that somehow I've never, I've never President seen, Trump... I've never seen the, Trump, I've never seen Trump exhibit where he... Trump I've never is, seen him exhibit where he's, he's not people, happy to see somebody who doesn't look like him. I, I, I don't know where you're getting that. But the notion that, the notion that President Trump is letting African Americans or any people of color out of prison is... I don't think that that is correct. Um, I do a fair amount of work in the correction space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, President Obama had, had moved away from the privatization of prisons. And that was something that was one of the among the first policy ch- rollbacks from the Obama administration that President Trump did is ensuring that people can continue to profit off the mass incarceration of black bodies. You don't think so, the First Step Act is a, is a, is a good legislat- a le- legislative program? I mean, I think that everything that moves in the right direction is good but when you when you're talking out of t- two sides of your mouth when you're not like would you if you were running for office and somebody kept God asking forbid, you right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were running for office and somebody kept asking you if you denounced white supremacy wouldn't you wonder like why they would think they'd need well, to I ask think wouldn't, media, it just, I think wouldn't that's it just bother you yeah, well that's a media talking point wouldn't I mean, it he's totally bother you if somebody kept thinking they needed would, to ask would, you because something would, you were doing was suggesting me. you might support no, that no it would bother me the first three times and then I would realize that these people are just a bunch of nimrods who, who just want to maybe would point. you think maybe I'm doing something that's no. making people ask? Because I know that I know that <laughs> no, I wouldn't because I know that I wouldn't be. Mm. So you know, when Trump has asked this every, I mean, uh, Savannah Guthrie the other night just couldn't let it go, even though he's he he actually looked at her and said, "I denounce white supremacy." Next question, and she asked him again, "Do you really denounce it?" I mean, I don't know what the guy has to do. You know, I mean, what I would, do you got to do? I, I feel like if I had ever gotten asked that question in the first place, that it would have just been a fundamental failure of leadership. That if oh, you no. ever, if you I, ever did anything to suggest well, that you needed all, to be asked you're, you're, that question. You're assume, first of all, you're assuming that the person who is being asked the question is the one who is at fault for the question being asked. And I think that's it's an improper... It's not just media asking improper, that question. Uh, some, no, it's every left-wing media outlet a- asking that And it's, that it's not just media. It's, what it's about, people on like an actual like suburban mom kind of what, level what going about, that are uncomfortable what about, with what he brings out. In, okay, what, he doesn't bring out the best in anyone. What about, Joe, what about Joe Biden saying he didn't want his kids raised in a jungle during the 1970s uh, desegregation? Issues? I don't like that. Do you think that has changed in him? I think it has. Okay. I think that that so, I think that Joe Biden was second in command to our first black president, and that it would have been hard for eight years to hide if he was some sort of closet racist. Oh, so when he was when he was out campaigning for Obama, and he told a group that he was going to uh, uh, 
that that Romney was going to put them back in chains. That wasn't a, a racist comment. I don't like that terminology. I do. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, but I but, I never want to discourage someone from learning and trying to get better. Just last week, <clears throat> Biden mentioned. Oh, what did he do now? Well, <laughs> it was just last week, maybe two weeks ago. Biden said something about having one of his black maids uh, uh, take care of something for him. I mean. If somebody, okay, I didn't hear that if somebody one. is, if you somebody, must be consuming different media than me. Some, but he picked a no, black I, I woman. Saw the, I saw the video. He picked a woman of color for his running mate. Like that's, that's some that's pretty, a good that's some pretty good that. street cred. Well, okay. hey, listen, yeah. listen. This has been really, really great. Honestly, this we can go for hours <laughs> yeah, and hours. And if I didn't have to go to the bathroom, we maybe could <laughs> we could go for another thirty. Minutes. And thank you, Ashley, very much. Absolutely. No, this has been really great. This has been thought provoking. I think it's been uh, too civil respectful, educated, smart people that know bo issues on both sides and see each other's issues too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like this is hard-headed and this is the only thing that matters. And it's not like you're doing this is, you know, you these are this is level-headed and this is something that we don't get to do enough as society. So right. seriously, thank, thank you, thank you, you thank for you. getting us together. For doing this. I want to close out and I'll give you guys one final say, one final piece. This is this is the closing argument <laughs> portion of the of the trial. I'd like to reserve two minutes. Uh, <laughs> so closing arguments, and we'll start with with Ashley the challenger because she's for the challenger uh, Biden. Mm -hmm. um, give us your, your 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 elevator speech closing argument on why people should vote for Joe Biden in twenty twenty. It is time to restore some dignity and respect to not only the office of the president, but you know, from, from the top down. Um, people need to conduct themselves in a decent and kind ma manner and have compassion for other people. And that's not something that I've seen during this presidency. I would like to make America's politics a little bit boring again and uh, kind of go back to a place where things aren't, you know, you're not always constantly worried that some, some chaos is about to erupt. I think it's important to to have people who have compassion for others in in the, the that kind of leadership role and I see that as something that Joe Biden has. Joe Biden has been through life experiences that have humbled and taught him about loss and grief and life and other people's experiences. He is, you know, he was he was not the he was not my primary choice. He was during the primary process um you know, but I understand as as a as a grown adult that I don't always get my way on that, and I certainly think that having um, had more of an opportunity to listen to him, um, you know, I've I've sort of overcome the the concerns about his age, particularly given that he picked an outstanding running mate to uh, be by his side who could step in instantly, if this you know he'll be 78 when he's sworn in in January, so um, you know I I definitely have some some comfort knowing that. A, a person who's dedicated her life to public service and and making the world a better place for other people is is standing there in the wings ready to ready to take over. I would like you know in closing I would like my kids to be able to watch the presidential debates in 2024 without worrying um, that they will learn something that they are not supposed to know or that I'll have to explain something unexplainable as I would well, have they'll had be to able do. To, they'll be able to anyways because uh, Trump will be able to run again. So <laughs> in case he did win. So, <laughs> He's got three know, kids though. Yeah, I just, I know, I'd, I like to, I'd like to clear, I'd like to make it clear <laughs> that nobody like this again can ever even, you know, be elevated by a party. I'd, like to, I'd like to save the GOP to the extent that that's possible. And I think if nothing else that a Biden win will, will help with that. Well getting said. them back to their their core values, which I feel have been lost here. So I want us to all be in this together. Got it. Well said. Uh, to you for the incumbent, President Trump. Well, a, a Biden win is going to be 
uh, a very short-lived victory for Joe Biden. What's going to end up happening is Kamala Harris is going to be the president. The progressive Kamala. Kamala. Didn't I say Kamala? Kamala. Kamala. Okay, Kamala. Uh, is going to be the uh, uh, de facto president. She already is. She's already made that, that Freudian slip. And that's going to be the progressive left. And electing someone from the progressive left and allowing them power, quite frankly, is the existential threat to society as we know it. Uh, it's uh, an existential threat to capitalism, to the rule of law. Um, uh, they are going to go for a free, willy, uh, global society that is going to take away all of our liberties as far as I'm concerned, uh, whether it's court packing, uh, the Second Amendment, or whatnot. And as much as people might hate Trump, uh, Trump is the bridge to get through what I believe to be the most horrendous political ideology that we've faced in the last several hundred years, which is progressive liberalism. Uh, and as much as you might hate him or not like how he talks or how he hurts your feelings, um, the results and the policies that he's implemented and the bridge that he will be able to provide to get past this progress progressive liberalism, because I do believe if Trump is elected uh, this time around, I think the radical left is going to dissipate a little bit and we might come back to maybe the centrist and a little bit of normalcy in this country and we'll actually bridge the divide. Um, I think if the progressive liberals end up taking office, there's going to be a wide division in this country that may never be able to be repaired. Uh, and Donald Trump needs to be elected for that not to happen. Very well said. Uh, both of you guys, thank you so much. We could all agree on one thing. You should get out and vote no matter what Absolutely. your choice is. Yes. People lost their lives for people to, for us to be able to vote. So 100%. Get yes. out and vote whether you're doing it early or on election day. Election day is two weeks from today. Thank you guys so much. This Thanks, was great. Thanks, Thanks This man. was fun. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Pleasure meeting you. Likewise.